0: we're good we're recording
1: okay what's up everybody welcome back to cointel bros i'm your host Sun with my co-host i'm zero okay so today we are going to be discussing about uh the un um as well as other global um organizations that meet and discuss topics that will affect the globe We'll be talking about the history of the UN, its origin story, as well as certain fringe theories tied to this group and uh, what their underlying objectives actually entail for the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess we should kind of start uh, from the beginning, especially with like the UN. Um, so as people you know should know, but who knows actually do uh the United Nations was formed at the end of World War II um originally there's a thing called the League of Nations and that didn't last you know so the UN was the charter was signed in, in June of 1945 and it was entered into force in October of that same year so October 24th 1945 is when the UN officially started mm-hmm. and according to like the Wikipedia page which is what I'm going to be reading a lot from just cuz it's It's fine. (laughs) You know, it's easy to do that. Um, The United Nations is an intergovernmental organization that aims to maintain international peace and security, develop friendly relations among nations, achieve international cooperation, and be a center for harmonizing the actions of nations. It is the largest, most familiar, most internationally represented, and most powerful intergovernmental organization in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. The UN is headquartered on international (laughs) territory in New York City. The other main offices are in Geneva, Nairobi, Vienna, and The Hague. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's basically, you know, kind of like... It
1: It should be noted that uh, the first one had 50 governments, country governments, meet um, in actually San Francisco. Um, and it was originally called the U.N. Charter right after it was called the League of Nations. Um, and at that 1945 meeting in October, they actually came up with five different categories that they would tackle, which you kind of talked on. But um, just so we could resolidify what they um, brought into this world was the World Bank Group, the World Health Organization, the World Food Programme. Uh, UNESCO, which is the UN Scientific, Educational, and Cultural, and then organization, and then UNICEF, which is like the UN Children's Fund,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is important because it ties back into the theories that we'll be discussing later.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, the UN itself has five principal organs: the General Assembly, the Security Council, the Economic and Social Council, also abbreviated sometimes as ECOSOC. And the International Court of Justice, along with the UN Secretariat, uh, there used to be a sixth portion called the Trustee Councilship, but that hasn't really been around since the mid nineties because there's <laughs> no longer any UN trustees. Um, but yeah, all those are located, or excuse me, four of the five are located in New York City, um, with the International Court of Justice being located in the Hague. While again, they do have major offices in. Geneva, Vienna, and Nairobi.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: And then, just in case anyone was wondering, um, the six official languages, which was once a trivia question uh, from where I play trivia, are Arabic, Chinese, English, French, Russian, and Spanish.
1: Yes. Yeah. It um. It should be noted that these aren't just government officials that are attending these meetings. It's actually um, investors, mostly in big oil tycoons. Um, and it's it's a lot of billionaires um, that actually hold a space in these meetings, uh, rather than it just being a a political summit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think before we sort of get into a lot of the meat and potatoes of what you know it obviously is. Um, of the six, you know, the six organs that we mentioned before, five that are now currently operational. The six being the the trustees thing. Um, I wanted to kind of do like the brief overview that is provided online just so everyone can kind of understand what they are. Um, And then this will, uh, you know, make it more interesting later on when we kind of talk about the reality of the situation. So the first is the U.N. General Assembly, which may resolve non-compulsory recommendations to states or suggestions to the Security Council, decides on the admission of new members following proposal by the UNSC It adopts the budget for the entire organization and elects the non-permanent members of the UNSC, all members of the ECOSOC, the UN Secretary General, and the 15 judges of the International Court of Justice, and each country gets one vote, all right? And then we have the UN Secretariat, which is the administrative organ of the UN, and that supports the other UN bodies administratively. And its chairperson, the UN Secretary General, is elected by the General Assembly for a five-year mandate and is the UN's foremost representative to, you know, the public or the rest of the world, basically. Um, we have the International Court of Justice, which is universal court for international law. That's a, it's a fun one. That one gets a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff happens there. Um, so that decides disputes between states that recognizes its jurisdiction – it issues legal opinions and renders judgment by relative majority.
1: Its fifteen <laughs> yeah.
0: judges are elected by the UN General Assembly for nine-year terms. All right. Next, we have the UN Security Council, which is obviously used for international security issues. Um, it is responsible for maintain for the maintenance, excuse me, of international peace and security. May adopt compulsory resolutions and has fifteen members, five permanent members with veto power. And then 10 elected members. Um, The UN Economic and Social Council, which is for global and for global economic and social affairs, excuse me, again, is responsible for cooperation between states as regards economic and social matters, coordinates cooperation between the UN's numerous specialized agencies, and has 54 members elected by the General Assembly to serve staggered three year mandates. And then Mm -hmm. the the final piece of that puzzle was the trustee councilship, which was for administering uh, trust territories. But it's that's no mm-hmm. longer a thing because everyone's been kind of accepted in, or or you know turned into countries and stuff. But um, there are one hundred and ninety five, debatably one hundred and ninety five countries in the world today, and one ninety three of those are in the United Nations. Yep. Um, the only. Two or three states not involved are the Holy See, which is where the Vatican is and, you know, where the Pope is and all that, um, Palestine, and that gets debatable because some people recognize them and some people don't recognize them, right, right. and Kosovo because Russia doesn't recognize them as a sovereign nation, so Russia won't allow them into the UN. But yeah, so pretty much everybody except for those three territories are part of the United Nations. Just to kind of give you a scope of the range of control that this, you know, extra governmental organization has.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good foundation. Um, It definitely just, uh, yeah, proves their reach and it proves their influence, um, especially when you see the names on the list of the attendees. But, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Cool. did you want to jump into...
0: (laughs) I mean that's all you. After that, I just wanted to lay that little framework down. Okay, you know, so
1: a lot of a lot of um, basis of fringe theory um, kind of lies on you know this very cartoon like world government, um, and uh, a lot of like the key players in, for instance, there's this dude Richard Day, Doctor Richard Day. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a pediatrician as well as a medical doctor who introduced uh, certain ideas of eugenicism um, uh, as well as um, basically, like, sanctioned genocide. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And he, he used to work with Hopkins and a lot of um, bigger-name hospitals and universities. Um, and then uh, in 1992, there was this guy, Maurice Strong, Um, And he's actually the one who introduced this plan called Agenda 21 Mm -hmm. um, into the UN. And then it was later, you know, carried through every single country for the most part. Um, And the reason I bring these two people up um, is because if you have a small group of people controlling a large scale production, um, I mean, that in it of itself, is an oligarchy or a total, totalitarian, um, I don't know, state of government. Yeah. Um, so these people, I guess the, the one thing that really got to me was you have people invested in, in numbers, uh, mostly money numbers. Uh, they are invested in oil, they're invested in um, crop production, uh, livestock production, and and um, I think it should be pretty fairly obvious to anyone who can critically question something uh, if it, whether or not they have our best. So I guess, yeah, it's just important to know who like the, the players are. Um, People in Fringe Communities also discuss Bill and Melinda Gates. Um, so who or the World Health Organization uh, they are clearly responsible for all of this notification and, and um, of what's going on in the world in terms of health. <laughs> and uh, Bill Gates specifically um, has been invested in the vaccine company for for years and um, a simple search, Uh, can prove where his money has gone and where money has been funneled into him from. Um, And it's pretty interesting to see that, uh, to see his very close ties with an organization that has such a strong and um, very deceptive um, outlook on this. Because when they do meet, they usually do not specify where, or win really, Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to contribute, but that's kind of where I was at, just seeing the game players and to really question whether or not it is health and happiness and wholeness that that is their intention, or is it a level of um, unprecedented control um, without masses actually understanding that they are being controlled and brainwashed.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a very accurate, you know, analysis of of kind of what's going on with that uh, between the WHO and the uh, the peacekeeping branch. Those are those are the two probably most obvious ways that the UN could be, if you you know follow these trains of thought, um, trying to institute some sort of one world government. Right. You know, and we that's the main topic of excuse me, yeah. of, like, of like French thought around, around the United Nations and all these and all these, these various arms of it is that it's all part of like a globalist conspiracy or a one-world government type of conspiracy. Um, when you yeah. get into the, the World Bank type of stuff, when you get into a lot of the peacekeeping missions, there becomes some questions of whose interests are they actually acting for and whose side are they on, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And then when you get into the, the World Health stuff too. Um, you, 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 start to see a lot of that too with who's getting vaccinated, where, and what areas are getting relief, what they're getting relief from and things like that. And
1: yeah, yep,
0: yeah, exactly. yeah,
1: 100%. So, um, one of the like huge things that got me to believe in this, uh, you know, NWO, um, was the fact that, uh, before it was called the UN, um, it was actually, uh, a publishing company um and so there was this publishing company called the uh oh my gosh I'm already blanking on the name was like the Lucius Trust it was actually called the Luciferian Trust um and publishing order and they operated for a few years and then people complained that it was <laughs> too evil it it sounds like it's coming from a cartoon which is really funny to me you have to laugh at these things. Um, So they changed it to the Lucius Trust um, publishing company. This publishing company was responsible for printing and publishing documents um, and novels and all of these records from um, known Luciferians or Satanists or Kabbalists um, or theosophists, such as Crowley, um, as well as Thelema. which I thought was pretty, or Blavatsky, I'm sorry. But yeah, so that, that's pretty interesting to me that not many people know about the Lucius Trust, but originally, you know, a f- very few select of people who we are taught to, be, to see as elite or rich or above us um, gathered and talked about um, these works, and these works... Um, usually theosophy or what Crowley was talking about was basically do without will, right? So you have your will, you know what your will is, and you are willing to, um, kind of complete your story, uh, no matter what the consequences, no matter what the actions are. And that was like a, a really big tenant in this practice and in this belief, um, It also spoke, you know, about 666 and the beast and not to delve into Christianity versus hell or whatever. Um, But, you know, there are groups of people who do believe in a Saturnian or Satan um, belief system. And a lot of these belief systems claim to want to uh, implement a one world order. So if you look back at all of this and you kind of tie the pieces together, it just kind of makes sense that the UN is kind of a shadow cover organization for something maybe a little bit more sinister um, and something that was not actually outwardly spoken about. Um, And there's a lot of proof in this, especially when you see who is playing along. You know, you have the CEO of Nokia of Ford of Heinz of vaccine companies um, coming together to meet and discuss something that is anonymous for the most part so
0: yeah no exactly um, it, when you when you start to, to get into a lot of the, the new world order stuff and the warm world government stuff you will you can see a change if you if you start looking through the history of the the 20th century um, yeah you can see how the how the shifts sort of uh, went from the governments having power to corporations having power, right? And you can find like proto organizations, and you can find like what would be like organizational documents, um, all of which that you know we definitely recommend if you're interested in this. You can look up for yourself um, that sort of lay out the structure of having a one world system of having an overarching control over vast portions of the human population and, and vast parts of the land, which is the most important part for mm-hmm. obvious reasons is just control the actual land and control the water and the airspace and things like that. Yep.
1: Um, exactly.
0: and you can see when you start looking at how they tried to lay the groundwork when you get into the league of nations stuff, which w- would eventually become the UN arguably, um, mm-hmm. you, you can see how these major political powers are trying to, uh, solidify power, you know, for, You know, not to beat the phrase, you know, power to death or the word power to death, but yeah, you know, you can um, you can see how everyone was was trying to um, really trying to just kind of grapple grapple some power away from everybody else and, and solidify solidify that that centralization there. And then once you you get into the post World War II era, you really see that start to take place with the formation of the United Nations, and then just. How they grew from fifty some countries to mm-hmm. slowly starting to get everyone, all the other major countries involved, and then you have um, the remnants of colon- uh, you know colonial powers and their provinces and their you know recognized territories, and then they all become states. And the UN had a lot to do with dividing up different territories and making. Yep different areas of the country, you know, autonomous regions and figuring out who's going where and who's what and setting up, you know, federal banks and applying them to national banking systems and things like that. Um, We could do a, we should do a a system down the line about, you know, the power of the central banks and stuff like that. Um, But Mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of the various wars, especially from, you know, the 50s onward, a lot of that has to do with centralizing currency, uh, centralizing the banks and money and stuff like that. And, and you can see, you know, which countries had banks affiliated with other major corporations and oil companies and technology companies moving forward and pharmaceutical countries. And these are the places that, you know, either were getting more um, attention, you know, military-wise or less attention military-wise. So it, it becomes a thing where once you start to kind of connect the dots of who's on what team you know yeah. who's playing ball these are the people who become the focus of peacekeeping efforts you know
1: yes. where environmental sustainability efforts
0: mm-hmm. you know when they when they have these these notions of like dragging people kicking and screaming into the 21st century right yeah
1: yeah
0: these all can be seen through this conspiratorial lens as trying to force people into this one world system this one world uh system of governance and power you know and so what was the name of the the stupid one world language that they had esperanto oh my god
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 i forgot about that yeah yes yep
0: so um you know you 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 have all these like things that like we think are silly like we think they're they're really goofy um because they've been sort of downplayed but if you look at you know what they kind of represent or what they are then you know they people are advocating for a one world system of government you know, um, one religion, one language, one system of money, one, you know, medical code and things like that, um, because it would be easier to control everyone if they're under one system of government. Um, and then through that, through like this imperialist lens, you can, if you, if you look at history, you know, in that way, then you can sort of, you can see how a lot of the major global conflicts, um, whether they you know, outright be about social issues or economic issues or, you know, what have you, you can kind of see that when they're done and the dust settles, the UN kind of shows up and wrangles everybody in and they control these, you know, vast portions of, you know, what are a lot of times indigenous or less developed, you know, uh, peoples and demographics. And Mm -hmm. they sort of bring them into this UN fabric. And then from them, they're sort of forced to comply with, uh, with what's going on there.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's it's very much like, oh, how strange your economy is toppling. Um, let's think of a very quick solution for this. But if I mean, like you like like uh, zero is saying, if you follow this and you connect the dots, there are so many um, key points and key objectives um, that are talked about decades prior to some. You know, predetermined collapse in in an economy. And then they kind of show up and they're like, oh, we have this solution that maybe will help. We don't really know. But the thing is, they do know because it's been in the works for a very long time and that collapse was planned. Um, I definitely wanted to touch on, yeah, just how (laughs) not going to talk about what's going on right now. honestly.
0: We'll save that for the, for the after, for the after potty.
1: Yeah. yeah, The after potty. So, um, agenda 21, um, going back to that, uh, so Maury strong was an oil investor. He was a billionaire. Mm -hmm. Um, and the proposed goals for agenda 21 and really interesting. So yeah, I would just pay attention to the wording and, Maybe you have seen this in your in your own town, or it just kind of catches your attention. But um, an end to national sovereignty,
0: mm-hmm.
1: state planning or management of land, resources, ecosystems, deserts, forests, agriculture, biodiversity, biotech, and equity. They love the word equity. That's
0: a that's a um, big that's a big buzzword that you'll find is is equity.
1: hmm. Exactly. Um, no more private property. Um, children raised by the state and the state being a state government, a localized government, um, pre-assigned jobs, creation of human settlement zones, um, a state to define the role of financial resources, um, mass global depopulation. So instead of using the words depopulation, they like to say population control mm-hmm. or a sustainable way of looking at uh, population growth and decline, um, and then just restructuring the family unit. So I know for a long time, these different key points have been in my head, and after studying this stuff for years and years and years, you know, we do see that. We see that, oh, who is controlling the school systems? Who is writing those books? Who is filtering those books? Who is making money off of these, um, off of the curriculum that's being taught? It, it's all, it all kind of makes sense. Um, there's also a war on spirituality, right? Because going back to the Lucius Trust publishing company, um, it was a publishing company that printed the work of a new religion. <laughs> um, and a fun fact the original publishing company uh, was actually on 666. United Nations Parkway Drive, and that is a real address.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And I just think that's pretty silly. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I just I think those main points are important to see because um, what you'll there's like a, a pattern. So you'll see some <laughs> calamity on the news. The news CNN is telling you, oh, damn, there's there's this big thing that everyone should be worried about and fearful of and everyone to start panicking right now. But then a couple days down the road, they'll have this magical solution that they just pulled out of thin air. Um, and it is very oddly, um, it falls in line with objectives and solutions that have been in the works for a really long time. Um, such as national IDs or global IDs, um, I mean, we could go into transhumanism and how we want to create a more perfect or better human. So we go into AI um, and they scream at the top of their lungs that this is, is for the sake of convenience. Um, but I think it is for the sake of compromise and for control. But you be the judge of that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um there's also another aspect of that, which is uh, they uh, there will be institutional policies, and we've seen this throughout the years, especially if you're around the age that we are, in your late 20s, early 30s. Um, there's been two or three major events, you know, in American society, uh, being the nine eleven, maybe the 2008 crash, and then the current coronavirus um, epidemic, you know. Out of all these um, these big catastrophes, national on a national and a global scale, um, you will see policy instituted that will start to dissolve your personal freedoms um, under the guise, as, as some people would say, um, for security. You know, to, to help the nation or to help mm-hmm. yourself. You know, so we have the Patriot Act um, happening right after nine eleven. Um, which increased the uh, the surveillance state of America, and then by proxy the surveillance state. You know, it, uh, you know, in terms of like the United Nations as a whole. Um, while the obviously the United States and the United Nations are two different entities, they work in tandem. Um, the United States is very present in the um, in the United Nations organization. We are one of uh, the few countries that have full voting and vetoing power, overruling power, and things like that. Right. um so while this is supposed to be um an organization represented by the international community for the purpose of dictating policy in the international community, you quickly find that there are very there is a very small number of full participatory member countries with full governance power, basically, for a a full say. And a lot of places don't really have that much, um, you know, legal and, um, I guess, electoral representation, um, which is something that you will get. uh, That picture will become more clear if you sort of get your news from international sources, not from American-based domestic news sources.
1: Yeah.
0: But, um, you know, when we had the... The um the financial collapse of two thousand eight and stuff like that, then you start to see a, a mass redistribution of land and real estate properties and things like that. you You can argue pretty pretty easily that if there was any type of economic decline that was happening as as a result of policy in the eighties and the nineties, um, this global community sort of hit a hard reset in two thousand eight with the housing um, market crash, with the bubble popping. You know, and that was just kind of a way to, you know, kind of throw everything out and then recollect yourself. And now we're probably seeing that again with the current coronavirus, um, Mm -hmm. you know, incident. And as a result of what's happening now, it would be safe to speculate that we're going to have more sort of control and surveillance on a global level. Um, You know, this is going to be an easier one to sort of institute globally because it is affecting everyone, not just the United States. Although I suppose, you know, the argument in, in 2001 was it happened in America, it, it being this uh, alleged terrorist attack. Right. It happened in America unless thus it can happen everywhere else. So we need to tighten up control on everybody and we need to be able to get in there and figure stuff out. And then that led to sort of ease of access for right. the UN and these, you know, global policing administrations to kind of, Overstep previous boundaries and do whatever they want under the guise of fighting terrorism, right? So they can right, spy right. on, you know, mm-hmm. anywhere from an individual to a family to a city to a country, a business, anything under the guise of uh, potential terrorism and and security. And right. we, we're going to see a um, we're going to see a, a similar thing happen um, post 2020, you know, with all the corona stuff. And now instead of it being um, You know, global terrorism, that's the big threat. It's going to be a global pandemic, you know. And so now instead of it being, um, you know, conscious bad actors, terrorists that we're looking for by getting into your emails, getting into your your cell phone data, um, coming into your home, uh, things like that. Now it's going to be, well, you're an unwitting, unwilling, you know, you didn't know that that you're part of this issue because you've been contaminated. And we have reason to believe that you're contaminated, so we're going to track your, your phone your phone data, we're going, you know, again, can we come into your home? We can come into your job. We can We can pretty much seize your property. Yeah,
1: yeah that's happening in China right now, actually. So, I mean, we all kind of knew that China surveillance was is, is over the top. Um, but they are. You are allowed to out someone's name, address, and where they work um, in the name of security and safety if they came in contact with someone who had, you know, this this supposed virus and um, I think that's very interesting uh, it is it's it's all um, a planned chaos you know there's order and chaos which is the whole Luciferian message um, and then there is a a plan to alleviate mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever problem was there um, there's gosh, a, it's crazy
0: yeah um, to bring up um, constant, you know, a footnote and reference point of the pod, um the Third Reich and the Nazis. Um, you can look at a lot of stuff that happened um, during World War II during Nazi Germany, and you can apply you you can very easily assume that that was sort of a testing ground for a more a more global um, system of governance. Um, you can see a lot of comparisons between what was happening inside of the Third Reich um, governmental system. That has been yeah. refined and and brought out to to the entire world. You can see Gestapo like practices in terms of carting people away, um, telling on your neighbors, things like that happening now, especially with a lot of the immigration stuff and ICE and things like that. Uh, mass detention camps. You know, not to really harp too yeah. much on that. That's immigration yeah. can be something we go on down the line, but yeah. history is just chock full of these sort of micro. Uh, incidents; these testing grounds for an eventual larger, um, you know, institution that uh, yeah. has been yeah. coming around since—I mean, arguably since the founding of America—but mm. um, very clearly since industrialization, since around uh, the American Civil War, the you know the the second half of the 1800s. Um, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, when. When you sort of look at it like that, um, it's very interesting and I I highly suggest that anyone listening, um, you listener at home, just sort of look through the major historical events, um, you know, of the past 200 years and see how that has sort of changed policy and public opinion towards the government's role in everyone's life and like – you know, you you start to wonder maybe why America has been put on this pedestal of being like the best country in the world and everyone gives a shit about us for whatever reason. And you know what I mean? Like how our policy sort of dictates world policy and sort of who's in charge because um, as time went on, governments really won't work. Worth that much? They weren't really doing much, and then we switched to corporations, and we switched to the, the the rich people, the global elite. And a lot of times, they are intertwined between governments and corporations. But make no uh, you know make no mistake about it that this has nothing to do with the government. It's about corporations and money. You know, yeah. the UN functions as a government, but in reality, it functions as a as a global corporation. You know, Uh-oh. and you can see that when you. Yeah. When you start to get into things like land management and allocation of reallocation, rather, of resources and a uh, natural and you know and otherwise, and how they always will fit a larger, um, a larger agenda at play that isn't that that difficult to, to see. You know, you have all of these um, sort of organizations outside of the UN. that do these peacekeeping type type things. And with that where, you know, where where they say that they're there to to help the poor natives, to help them with economic stuff, with with health stuff, with, you know, clean water or whatever. Like they're they're trying to force a sort of like social evolution and industrialization upon them so that they can be on this global market and they can be, you know, uh, brought into the fold and made more easily controllable you know because it's it's sort of hard to really institute a lot of social control on people until they have cell phones and they have bank accounts and they have student debt and they have medical debt and things like that and then that's how you stay a part of the system you stay a cog in the wheel because you're convinced that like well I got to pay my bills cuz I got to see what happened on the bachelorette and you know I got to go see my mom in 2 weeks so I got to have gas money and you know, and you get into all these these sort of things where if you follow the money the whole way up there's like a very few amount of people who really are in control of everything and everything sort of goes in the same direction. You know, there's there's no everyone's friends at the top, you know. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a good point. I really like that you um you were talking about um I don't know, yeah, it it is about control. It's about this just like underlying agenda of how can we control one, the numbers of a population, and two, how can we convince people um, or keep people in such a constant state of panic that we're overpopulated, um, and that's that's kind of where depopulation or population um, growth control come in, um, and going back to, like, the Third Reich um, and eugenics um, there, and also, I guess, the Vril, not to do a callback, but there.
0: What's also weather manipulation as well? like there's there's a linear yeah. path to a lot of these topics every everything ties in together, as we said in pretty much every right. episode, yeah, we,
1: we, yes, I know I'm sorry, oh,
0: no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, that just further proves that point that even if you try not to, eventually, when you sort of start looking at stuff yeah. for long enough, then you're going to all these different conspiratorial nodes. Will start popping up. So once you become more literate in one field, you will inevitably inevitably you'll start becoming literate in in, a, in other theories. It's it's like if you're looking at the Wikipedia article, there'll be all these hyperlinks everywhere, you know.
1: Right. So so what I was going to say in my tangent was um the the Georgia guidestones. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't, um maybe I feel like a lot of people kind of have heard the name or at least have heard of this like weird anomaly, <laughs> but in Georgia there are these. I believe it's um. Or two stones with a a top slab, and um, they're cross-sectioned, and they have writing on them. And this writing is in uh, four different languages, Um, and it it, it basically just says that our population needs to be culled and under 400,000. It is very eerie, and it definitely looks like it came out of the Book of Revelations or Mm -hmm. something crazy like that. Um, but it is it, it is in- interesting because it um, ties into this whole thing where it's like, there's so much land. This is where I, it confuses me. And this is like where all of my questions came from. I was like, there is all of this land and I don't think that we are overpopulated as we are told. Um, I I think that it's definitely easier to control how many births your cattle have because then you can... know ID them and have them a little bit more orderly for you um but yeah I I wanted to talk more about like and maybe you could help me with this but um I don't want to say it's like a purging of race or a cleanliness of race but Bill Bill and Melinda Gates um they they actually literally called it international hygiene Um, and they actually meet in this university in Germany where this dude named, like, Uden uh, Rudin, who was Hitler's eugenicist (laughs) and depopulation expert, Um, they used to host meetings at at this university where Bill and Melinda Gates, (laughs) like, actually talk about international hygiene. It's just, like, so in your face, um, which I find funny because then people are like, no, 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 like, Vaccines, those are good for you. But then you like look at who's making money and you look at the ingredients that they're pumping into your system and you look at the side effects and you look at the people that are actually becoming ill because of them. Um, I don't know. I just want people to question that more because they are working out of a place that historically, factually, has been documented uh, to be a meeting place. <laughs> for hitler's eugenics expert like i don't know but i i wanted you to help me like uh kind of tie it in to luciferianism and um what crowley was saying about like you know a perfect man or real even the real society talking about this one perfect species um that will kind of like rule them all or whatever
0: there's there's two avenues there um a term that Especially being around the '90s and the 2000s, you'll hear a lot as the the mixing pot, right? The cultural mixing pot and all that stuff, um, yeah. Which was promoted as this way of of sort of sort of insinuating that you know everyone's going to all the cultures are going to come together and we're going to pick you know the best parts out of each one, cherry pick it. And we're gonna we're gonna choose the the culture of tomorrow, things like that. Uh, multiculturalism, yeah, yeah. It, and all these like buzzwords that that, that you'll hear, especially more liberal. Uh, circles more recently and all of that it, it sort of has to do you know in a in a more veiled way with eliminating a lot of cultural identity because what happens when everyone sort of identifies as the same thing as as not you know I'm not from here I'm not from there I'm wherever like we're all in this together then then you become easier to control right so if you no longer look at yourself as someone from West Virginia or look at someone from Indiana, but now you're part of the United States, you're an American. Boom! You can now control everyone in America. Mm-hmm. If you no longer mm-hmm. looking, if you're no longer viewing yourself as Canadian or American or or, or or Mexican or anything like that, but you're part of the North American Union, boom! Now you can be controlled over these larger, you know, these larger systems because you're 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 getting rid of part of your individualism, part of your individual identity, and and becoming part of. part of this larger whole, you know, and that that plays into you you can extrapolate that to the international scale, more international than just North America, and that I'm no longer from America, you're no longer from Germany, like we're part of the UN, like as a UN nation, here's what we're doing. And you have a a small number of people who are voting over policies that affect the lives of a growing number of of people on the planet. I mean, as we said, at at the top of the show, I mean, there's all but two, maybe three, you know, uh, uh, governments. You know, states. You know, whatever you want to call them, that are not just under the d- direct control of the United Nations. You know, so everyone has to play along with all this stuff. And then to flip it on the other end, when you have like the Ubermensch um, idea, the the Superman, the the Universal Man, the Ideal Man. Um, you know, the idea mm-hmm. that was made famous by Nietzsche, but was also pursued by many occultists, and very famously uh, through um the Third Reich and the Nazi social programs where they wanted to have the, the Aryan race, which is we're gonna have to get into all that stuff at some other time because that's that's a whole thing. Um when you actually get into the yeah. theosophical the background of Nazism, but there's an idea of like the master race and the the coming the coming race, which was the name of the, the book about Virill. Um yeah. and you start to see where there's this this idea that was a central tenet of the Third Reich and Nazism that was taken into mainland Europe or farther into mainland Europe during the the Nazi conquests. And you can see uh, bled into American politics and American culture and then now into the United Nations government and culture as well where they're trying to institute control over everyone by one master subset. They're trying to find who is the absolute best breed them to stay the best and subjugate the the lesser populations you know um it 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 has become less about the color of your skin and where you're from and it's sort of embedded into like a class a class struggle a class warfare so you can say rich people and that would replace 50 years ago where it was you know maybe white people or married maybe German people or things like that to where, you know, it's all the same thing. You know, when people complain about rich people, white people, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's the same idea of, like, this controlling class. Um, The Jews were a scapegoat for a very long time. Um, You have the Protocol of the Elder of Zion, which, authentic or not authentic, um, you can see um, these—not authentic or—I don't mean— I. The protocols the elders are on have been proved to be, you know, fake to an extent, you know.
1: No, they are. Absolutely. But yes, the yes, but yes.
0: the fact that it was still written is important and the fact that it's still cited a lot today is important because of, if you look at sort of what was alleged in that false document, the governmental systems, the ways to control people, the way to centralize power, the way to – to really you know, combine everything together to be able to control very easily. Um, you can find parallels in international um, diplomacy and international governments today. But, um, chicken and the egg sort of thing there with that. But you, you can find a lot of that in there where it, it becomes very, very clear that a small group of people are trying to control the rest of the people. Yeah. Um, in the Nazi system, it was very upfront and very in-your-face. They're hiding it a little bit better now, but whether it's yeah. a caste, a class, an economic like a, a tax bracket, a zip mm-hmm. code, it's all the same thing, you know. It it's, is, it's all it's, it's all people, a, a small group of, of privileged individuals who have been set up to control the rest of us, you know.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and this game of race is like obviously hyperplayed, um, and it it. The sooner that that people recognize that it is not about that, <laughs> the better, because yeah, it is a class struggle. Um it just is. There are poor people of every single color. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. In every <laughs> and, country.
1: Yes. And in every history, zip code. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um unfortunately in this timeline, because you know, there was a different timeline where there was a different person. Enslaving and um, terrorizing, or whatever. We've all kind of like taken turns being that villain role in a way. So, if we kind of um, turn our focus and make it more about, uh, I'm not going to use the word humanist, but just looking (laughs) at everyone as an equal, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) But um,
0: if it were more egalitarian worldview, you know?
1: Exactly. And I did want to talk about. We don't have to go into this in depth. I know that we're almost at time, but... Um, we got
0: like so- 10 minutes left. We're, we're at 47 and a half right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm watching the time. I wanted to talk about entertainment and um, where this where we've kind of seen this come in play. And the biggest one that comes to me is the popularized franchise uh, The Hunger Games, um, in which we had a group of elites um, kind of take pleasure in entertainment watching... Two, young individuals fight for the death, uh, fight to death, um, to see who would like win this very odd arena type game. And if you won, I think you would receive higher food rations and, um, some type of, you would get more money (laughs) for your people or for your district or whatever it's called. Um, also, uh, district, district eight, I think it was called, um, Also, we see, like, this interspecies...
0: Oh, that was District 9.
1: Oh, District 9, sorry. Yeah, 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 District 9. Um, Where we kind of see the same thing. Uh, There is this really odd secret shadow government that's kind of controlling and leeching off of the energy of these poor creatures and civilians. I say creatures because it is an interspecies movie. So there are these aliens that have come to our planet to take resources and there are humans um, studying them, but it's, it's all just, we're all just like the same (laughs) basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's an interesting part of it too. It's the representation of these types of organizations and how they kind of softball in these general themes you know, a, a good example to an extent would be if you if you look at the idea of like a zombie outbreak, right? There's been mm-hmm. zombie movies since the 50s. And everyone's sort of, the popular conception, the popular idea of what a zombie outbreak would look like is always through theatrical references. So if yeah. someone talks about, uh, what would you do in a zombie outbreak? One of the first questions is, are we talking about this style of zombie, this style of zombie, you know? You can yeah. you take that to apocalypse scenarios too. When people say like, "Well, if the world goes to shit, if everything ends," and it's like, "Well, are we talking about like a Terminator type of thing, or this type of thing, or that type of thing?" Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and so you get sort of conditioned and you know, brainwashed, I suppose, to um yeah. to really think about these this limited option of scenarios as being the only thing really possible. Um, you know, subconsciously at least, and you 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 can see that. Um, in a lot of popular media involving, you know, uh, global control and global extra-governmental organizations, you know, um, so you have, like, a lot of, like, the spy movies that come out, a lot of these, like, big action thriller movies where it's always, yeah. for the most part, like, an Anglo-Saxon guy who works with a small group of, like, internationalists who saves the day, right? And then we have to we have to thank them for watching our back, and we thank them for... For being able to violate our civil liberties in order to do what's best mm-hmm. for us, you have the Batman movie where he could access everybody's cell phone to create the um, the 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 picture or whatever the um, echolocation type of stuff. You 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 have all these these instances that are that are really just kind of softballed in there to to show you what they can do. There's a whole theory where a lot of the um, the globalists, internationalists, or the cabal, the whatever you want to call them, the new world order, they have to show you what they're doing in order for them to not have negative karmic effects about what they're doing to you. You know, so uh, that's how you get, like, the Simpsons effect where things are predicted in movies and predicted in songs and in, in different types of media because in their, like, their their defense, like through their system of morals or whatever, like they already told you what was going to happen and you didn't prepare for it. You know what I mean? They sent you exactly. coded messages. And you'll you'll find that with international forms of, of government and, and control like that where if you look through popular media, you will find a general theme of small groups of people controlling larger groups of people, especially in the shadow through puppet corporations, things like that, um, yep. financially and through government and stuff. Um The one thing I wanted to get to before we kind of end, which was was, uh, brought up, touched on a little bit earlier, is the education system. That's something that, again, will deserve um, more attention and will probably end up being an episode down the road. But a part of a lot of the UN stuff in this uh, globalist sort of way of controlling is controlling what people are taught. That's the easiest way to control people's minds literally as you're controlling their mind you're controlling what they think and how they think yes you know and um you have more of an academic background than i do so i'll I'll let you sort of take it into the end of the episode with that but you know it that is something that everyone has in, in their life most people who went through public education which is a large portion of the united states and a large portion of the developed in air quotes world is there's a you know there's a centralized mandated curriculum and everyone has to learn it and you're graded on that and Mm -hmm. that has to do with knowledge to an extent but all it also is you know obedience and it's it's controlled information and it it it's a way for them to dictate your mindset and your outlook you know so if you're taught in your history book that this is bad and this is good and this is right and this is wrong and And all this stuff—there's histories, heroes, there's histories, villains—not to have this be any type of like weird stuff where you can take that idea to pretty illogical places, which I I recognize, and I'm not advocating a lot of that stuff, but um, yeah, (laughs) you—that's just like the probably the best example of like how these uh, these big uh, groups can very easily manipulate and control people. You know, if you think that, like, well, I'm not brainwashed because I'm an independent thinker. Well, buddy, you still went to public school and you still had to take the SATs and the ACTs and the LSAT and the, all this stuff. And there's a central, you know, there's a central measuring stick. Everyone goes through the same ruler Yeah. and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because, uh, so going back to MK Ultra as well, um, what we learned through those studies is that, Obviously, if you hurt someone enough times, they're probably going to do the opposite action. So what public schools have done, like you said, is control a textbook, and then you control the way that kids are responding to these textbooks by testing them. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a YouTube original red movie featuring like Logan Paul or something Um, And it was exactly about this. It was like, if you don't do well on this certain standardized exam... I remember
0: this that I didn't see.
1: I didn't watch it either. I saw, like, a preview of it. So I was like, are you... Like, it's just so obvious, but...
0: Yeah, they... What is it? They they kill you if you don't pass your test.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's interesting, too, right? So like you were saying, um, if you can control someone's outlook and perspective, Mm -hmm. then you can also control their reaction and their responses to what they're perceiving, whether or not that is false or factual. Um, So what these textbooks do, and it's actually really interesting because a lot of documented history isn't in the curriculum. Um, We can look at certain genocides. Maybe the numbers are just slightly skewed for some reason. Um, We can look at names. We can look at leaders. And, you know, depending on who you go to, um, they will give you different interests. So it's just interesting to see a very standardized way of thinking, um, which also plays into the Fabian Society, uh, which was a group of people, a group of rich people and elites who were interested in um basically having a socialist or a communist or a fascist and yes those three are synonymous if you're a fringist (laughs) um a kind of society in which uh once again everything has like this sense of equity um but going back to schools and how standardization kind of plays into that is if you come out of a school being like, oh my goodness, I aced everything. I had, I was in APs. I was so, so smart. You're going to be rewarded in this socialist system and you're going to have more social credit and more social points um, going towards you. Uh, but it is, it's a way to control you. Um, and it is such a interesting brainwashing technique that has worked and i'm actually like learning to undo a lot of those things that um i was brainwashed in uh, but yeah that's i mean you kind of said most of it it's if you can get them at a young age prime them primary school to prime whatever <laughs> not to go in, like etymology but um primal or primate um you're basically controlling uh, a mind that is super uh, easy to mold. Um, yeah, and school systems have done a, a very creepily great job at uh, controlling people's perception of success and um, rewarding it, even if it's not the right one. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, exactly. Um, before we end it, uh, you brought up Crowley. A couple of times and with public education and with um, this educational system, um, well, I guess before I do that, another good example of how institutionalized like globalist education standards are with most people's, you know, school experience, especially in college is this idea yeah. of studying abroad, right?
1: And while that, that,
0: that will, and while that may not seem like anything, if, if you look at it in, like, if you, if if you look at it in terms of, of there being one larger education system that's just kind of fractured out amongst different populations, like yep. you can literally go to another country's state-run schools to get credits that apply towards your education at your, mm-hmm. your domestic beautiful- location. Yeah. You know, so, so that, that really furthers this point of, you know, everything is uh, on an education you know, level, everything is accepted for the most part globally. You know, so if you go to the University of Texas and study something, like, you can leave the United States and still have the University of Texas be an accredited institution in India or in Stockholm. You know, you can get a degree in Spain and then have that be something that you can then later take to Puerto Rico or you could take that to, you know, to, to China or maybe to Russia, but they're they're weird. But, you know, you, we're just proving that, like, it's just a large net of, of education and stuff. But to close it on my... My friend, Aleister Crowley. Um, a powerful part about the education aspect of this is when you look at a lot of the magical thought, um, your perception controls and dictates your reality. You know, so it's a lot of mind over matter stuff which you hear from a very young age, which is, is it's real, you know, to an extent. It, it's very real. Um, very real. What you think about a situation sort of determines how that situation is. You know, it's a very powerful um, aspect of of magical thinking and stuff like that. And when you Mm -hmm. can get people from a very young age, when their minds and their consciousness is is very malleable, four or five years old, that's when the American education system starts, you know, pre-kindergarten. I think it's four years old. Yeah. You can dictate and shape how they view the world. And then the way that they view the world will become how the world is. You know? Um, it's a lot like the book, uh, The Mouth of Madness, the um, John Carpenter movie, where there's a line in it where the antagonist says, more people read my book than the Bible. Like, my reality is more real than the reality that, yes. you know, like the previous reality because more people believe me than believe the Bible, than believe in the government and stuff. And that's that's a powerful part of a lot of like a globalist or internationalist doctrine and stuff like that. Because if you if you are conditioned to believe that these are the good guys, these are the bad guys, this is the right thing, this is the wrong thing, like this is what we need to do and this mm-hmm. is what we can't do, then that becomes truth. That becomes exactly. reality. Exactly. Um, then they actually do become the bad guys. Then, you know, the, there only is one solution to these problems where there might be more. Um, it's, right, right. You know, it, it that's that's just how it is, and you know, is, yeah. when you start to police morality on this global level and things like that, like that's just all probably the largest, the largest example of just like a globalist mindset. You know, it's the
1: and it's also like this this chaos thinking, right? So, like going back to Crowley, and I won't. I won't, like, stretch this any longer than it has to be, but, yeah, going back to order and chaos, if you create chaos, you can also create order out of it and, like, usher in a new age of man, Mm -hmm. um, which is, like, also, like, that thinking.
0: Yeah, when when you get to the new aeon or the new root race or whatever, all that, it's all based in theosophical stuff um at at some point we're we're going to have to start really doing in-depth dives on like the people who have pretty much shaped human consciousness um one of them being <laughs> blavatsky and the theosophists because that just really is the backbone for most most structures in in the world right now um yeah, but i think true. that that's probably a good place to end to end it um but yeah so thanks thanks for listening if you made it this far <laughs> You know, um, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon. Um, we have a few levels up there right now. We are constantly updating it, trying to make it better, make it more effective, make it uh, something that people would be interested in. If so, if you have ideas for topics or just general notes on the show or what we could do to make it better, make it more enjoyable, um, our website is uh, transistor. Or sorry, it's cointelbros.transistor.fm. And um, there will be links to that and all of the media players where you're currently listening to this. Um, on there, we will have our, uh, our email, which is Media at gmail.com if you'd like to shoot us an email. Um, our Patreon can be found at patreon.com slash cointelbros. Um, on our Patreon page, if you donate $5 or more a month, you will receive an additional episode uh, called The After Potties. Um, you know, where it's kind of like a wrap up and sort of, um, you know, less about a topic, more about news and just kind of what's going on. Um, so if that interests you, please go over there and subscribe. Um, the more money we get through the show, it just helps to make the show better, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that's it. Um,
1: yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, like subscribe, comment and share. Oh yes.
0: Yes. please, Please. Please do that. Bye.